Good evening, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. How is everyone doing tonight on this Noche, otherwise known as Wednesday, February 16th, 2022? Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of The Sea Report coming to you live. And I am your host, Michael Aaron Cossidis, otherwise known as Mr. C bringing you a little bit of today's news and a little bit of today's events. I hope everyone is having a wonderful Wednesday out there and that everyone is finding their day well. We're on officially what we call here at the Sea Report Sandwich Day because uh, it's it sounds a little bit more palatable and family-friendly than the uh, vernacular, which is Hump Day, right? When did Hump Day become a thing? For some reason... I mean, don't get me wrong, I know it's associated with a camel, and we're not talking about Joe either, no. Joe, he got, uh, he got discontinued what way back before uh, cancel culture and uh, the, uh, the crybaby class of uh, ultra-sensitive SJWs came into power. But uh, we had a camel running around one of these days just talking about hump day. For some reason, I feel like that was an ad that probably started in the Super Bowl, right? You know, every time there is some kind of new f- catchphrase or some kind of new in thing, the first thing I ask is, what TV show or movie did that phrase and or practice come from that all of a sudden everyone in the mama is replicating and mimicking the exact same think. I always got to ask that, you know, it's like when fetch came into style, I was like, okay, who came up with the ra- the phrase fetch? And eventually they're like, uh, Mr. C, uh, fetch isn't going to stick. And I was like, I don't know everyone's saying fetch these days. Anyways, or what about on fleek, right? I was like, all right, what TV show used the word on fleek? It seems like I woke up one day and everyone was using that phrase. So, you know, I always associate it back with popular culture, popular television, movies, etc. I'm pretty sure that's where Hump Day came from. Now, that's not to say that all the perverts out there couldn't have come up with Hump Day on their own. But boy, did that camel immortalize it. Yeah, that's the power of uh, the power of uh, popular culture, entertainment and uh, good, good, a good publicist. Ladies and gentlemen, yeah. Speaking of uh, speaking of commercials, you know they just had this thing, uh, this thing that used to be really really popular amongst the normies called the Super Bowl. Right now, you know I'm not a sports guy, so um, I was actually on the air during the Super Bowl this past Sunday. It was Sunday, right? Super Bowls are usually on Sunday, right? Just kidding, just kidding. I'm not that far gone, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. I do know a little bit about thing called the water cooler, right? Where everyone huddles around and uh, 
you know, talks and gossips and stuff. But anyways, uh, there, there was, a, there was allegedly accounts of a Let's Go Brandon commercial that ran during the Super Bowl. And I thought to myself, boy, would I feel dumb if I said, I don't watch the Super Bowl for commercials. And then we had a Let's Go Brandon commercial airing during the Super Bowl. I don't know if it's true, ladies or gentlemen, because obviously I didn't watch the Super Bowl. I mean, at this point in life, you know, I wouldn't admit to not watching something like the Super Bowl for the commercials. I mean, I, I would rather say I watch the Super Bowl for the commercials than I do for the sports. Uh, and that's only because, I mean, everybody knows at this point, at least particularly in my audience, that uh, the Super Bowl is a, t a total, total, total fixed game. So what's the point? Even if the players are making millions of dollars, right, why would it be worth it? Uh, if anything, that would make the con even bigger. I, I think the last scripted sporting event I used to watch was uh, WWF. And, and for those of you of the younger generations that might not be aware of what I'm talking about, well, WWF is not just a, a, a fund for wildlife worldwide. It actually used to be the name of a wrestling organization. Uh, but yeah, that, that was fun, though, you know. I mean, it was entertainment, as it were. Um, I mean, far be it, I doubt that they host WrestleManias in cities where, you know, local government politicians and police officials, you know, uh, are complacent about certain activities or complicit in, I don't know, human trafficking, child sex trafficking, prostitution. I mean, I have no grounds to say this, but I wouldn't doubt that uh, just like the celebrity who is uh, gifted the Oscar, the Grammy, the Golden Globe, because you kind of know somewhere deep down inside that the only way that you could get that high up the ranks, that you could climb that high up the ladder in an industry like that is if, you know, you partake in uh, you partake in some uh, adverse practices or activities. You know, you you lay down on an aforementioned couch or or you, you I don't know, you suck the blood out of the children of Salem. Uh, I, I would say probably in the case of the Super Bowl. Your uh, city is not going to be hosting such an event if you aren't at least complacent to things like human trafficking or complicit in those activities. But that's just a hunch. Oh, that's just a hump that I have. <laughs> that's just a hump that I have about uh, how they decide uh, what city and what team is going to win those events. It's It's one of the biggest cop-outs that I think a lot of people haven't really figured out. But uh, hey, I could tell you that my uh, audience has definitely figured it out because they were here with me on Super Bowl Sunday as we were live on the air and sharing some thoughts and news and current events. So, uh, you know, gold stars for my audience, ladies and gentlemen. I would say you definitely have uh, an acquired taste because, you know, the, the taste of uh, team sports are run by corporations and politicians is just ah, it's a sour taste I don't like in my mouth ah, blah, blah. anyways ladies and gentlemen welcome to a brand new show of the sea report we're coming up to you guys live this is what our second broadcast for today if you guys were uh hanging out or not we uh ran a surprise episode 
of Lone Star News, where we kind of started to dig a little bit into the Texas primaries. Now, of course, uh, those of you may know that we are a Texas-based broadcast, so we got to clean up our own backyards. We got to take care of our own here first, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, I love this country. But, uh, you know, the Constitution says, Mr. C, if we ain't going to handle it, you got to handle it. So uh, that's what we were doing earlier today. I'd recommend if you're a Texas viewer or Texas kin, go ahead and check it out. We talked a little bit about uh, Bethel O'Rourke is what I'm calling him now. I mean, I could call him Robert Francis O'Rourke. I think that would probably be one of the funnest things to do just to kind of like, I don't know, throw his Christian name back in his face. But um, Bethel, Bethel works good, you know, because Bethel thinks the cut of his cheese doesn't stink, you know. And, uh, well, quite frankly, Bethel, he does stink. So, uh, yeah, we were talking about him. Uh, we were talking a little bit about Rhino Abbott. We were talking a little bit about Lieutenant Colonel Allen West, whom I might add, for those of you who may not be aware, the good Lieutenant Colonel will be on our show on Friday for an in-studio interview. And of course, you know, in today's modern age, if you say in-studio, it just means that, uh, well, he'll be in virtual studio with us here live. So looking forward to Friday's events. If you uh, haven't heard about it, please do share the message, spread the word, and join us on Friday as we have uh, we have a sit-down conversation with the retired Lieutenant Colonel who is currently running for governor in the state of Texas. And, you know, one of the best things I think about it is that, I mean, aside from we're actually going to get to have a chance to speak with Colonel West, is that uh, a lot of the polls show him beating not only Pedro O'Rourke, but uh, Rhino Abbott as well. So that, uh, I'm looking forward to being an exciting show. And I thought I would just share that information with you guys right out the gates tonight as we get ready for our conversation with Lieutenant Colonel Alan West. Definitely looking forward to it. I'm grateful that he's giving us the opportunity and the chance to uh, pick his brain and uh, see what he has to offer to the great state of Texas. And uh, also, you know, uh, to have our audience um, given the chance, because we have a lot of Texas viewers here over at Mr. CTV and at the C Report, as well as Lone Star News. Now, uh, don't get it twisted. The C Report and Lone Star News are two separate broadcasts that uh, we air here at Mr. CTV. Uh, one is uh, one is more national news centric and one is more Texas news centric. So therein lies the difference, ladies and gentlemen. We'll also be doing, uh, because we have primaries coming up here in Texas on Tuesday, that's March 1st, uh, we'll also be uh, examining the ballot for this upcoming primary. So I would definitely say uh, stay tuned and get in the know with that ballot by uh, checking out our shows. Now, the best way that you can do that, ladies and gentlemen, is, of course, to subscribe or to follow our show uh, on whatever platform you might be in. Now, if you're joining us over at the foxhole.app or pill.net, I would encourage you to go look for the pill.net Mr. C account and follow our account so you can get updates and notifications if you're over at the Foxhole. And these are tandem websites. The Foxhole.app and Pill.net run, uh, run uh, in tandem with each other. It's a pretty cool, pretty cool thing that they got going on over there. You have a uh, live streaming broadcasting 
platform that features uncensored content and uncensored live streams. Now, you got some of the greats from back in the day, guys, uh, that some of y'all might remember. You know, you have shows like what? What do we got? We got like uh, RP78, Red Pill 78 on there. We got Woke Societies. We got 412 Anon. Uh, who am I missing? There's a whole bunch of shows there. You know, we even got like uh, some fun shows like... Uh, well, I mean, fun and informative. I'm not trying to be diminishing at all. But, you know, we have like uh, uh, One Foot in 5D. You know, we have a, we, there's a whole host of shows over there and they run in tandem. But my point is, if you are watching on the foxhole.app, then by all means, uh, uh, favorite this show and you will be guaranteed notifications because uh, we tend to go live at roving times over here at the Sea Report. And we're coming to you guys a little bit earlier tonight because I have uh, I have some appointments to keep after the show. I'll be broadcasting live for a third time today over at the Speak Uneasy's channel. If you guys have never heard of the Speak Uneasy, well, I would recommend that you also check out that show. Anyhow, the good bartender has uh, invited me along to uh, to do a broadcast tonight entitled "This Is News." So you know, it, I mean, we I, I did it last week and it was actually quite fun. Uh, not that it wouldn't be, you know, because uh, you know I know I I've met the host, I know him personally, and we always have a good time together, but it's kind of a break from what I do here at Mr. CTV, where, you know, we get, we get into the dregs of news sometimes. We, you know, I get a little, you know, dramatic and soap opera-y sometimes. I get a little diva, and uh, so uh, that, that's been uh, proven to be, at least in my last experience, is a nice, a nice uh, uh, mini vacation away from the seriousness that we, uh, we often experience here as we're going through the headlines. But hey, that's also what I'm here for, guys. Uh, I want to take you through some of the news and current events here at the Sea Report. And as I love to say, I don't make the news. I don't break the news. I just share the news. But nevertheless, you know, in today's society, in this day and age, just the way we humans are uh, and the way that the modern propaganda machine known as the mainstream press, although they're not so mainstream anymore, you know, it's geared one way. Whatever leads, bleeds. Wait, wait, wait. I got that backwards. If it bleeds, it leads. So, you know, it's just this entire fear, negative porn news that we're always subjected to. And you know, I feel like my job here is to kind of share it with you guys in a way that we're not just uh, getting our nerves all balled up in our lower back or in our neck, and we're not uh, succumbing to that 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 uh, negative adrenaline that I think uh, really feeds and forces people to tune in just to see what the latest tragedy is. That is what the Sea Report is all about. We'll we'll give you guys a little bit of levity here. And we won't take things so seriously, but we will deliver serious real-time news to the best of our, uh, our ability here. And uh, that is, of course, by uh, myself, the uh, host and the producer of the Sea Report, guys. So thanks for joining us again live today on this Wednesday evening. We're already done with the month of February, guys. We are finished. Kaput! Kaputski! You know, that's not to sound Russian, but, you know, we are we are pretty much done with this month. It is the shortest month of the year, of course, so uh, it's to be expected. And in a timeline like this where news is moving rather fast and the days are moving even faster, well, we're glad that you guys can keep up and catch up with us as it may. Uh, by way of quick housekeeping, just in case, uh, you know, you hadn't heard, we live stream on Rumble, we live stream on Twitch and CloudHub, which I might add 
If you want to keep up with our show and you're on Rumble, subscribe or follow to us. If you are on Twitch, follow us or subscribe. If you're on Clout Hub, you know, uh, become our friend. Follow the program so you can get these updates about when we're going live. And uh, I think that would uh, that would be great for all of us. Plus, it'll help grow this uh, broadcast, grow this channel and all the work that I do here. And, and quite truly, ladies and gentlemen, where, uh, where your support, whether it jingles or it folds, is always appreciated. That word of mouth, ladies and gentlemen, is the most tried and true and trusted way to support this show because your friends, your family, uh, those whom you associate with you, if they trust you, uh, they will trust your opinion. So uh, let them know about the C report. Let them know about me, Mr. C. Let them know that uh, I do a new show every night of the week and that uh, I'm, 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 I'm pretty constant. I'm pretty consistent. But we also got Texas News. We also have a late night talk show on the weekends called Mr. C in the Dark. And we've been hitting some pretty heavy subjects the last few shows. I mean, it's it's like since episode number 50, we figured out the way that we're going on that show. But uh, anyhow, guys, in case you didn't know and you're into the live streaming, we also have a podcast version of the show. And you can check that out at the C Report. Oh, sorry. You can check that out at anchor.fm slash the C report. Now, I absolutely recommend this to anyone who would rather take their news on the go or just maybe they don't have the time to sit down and watch a two or three hour broadcast. But hey, they can take their news for a jog. They can take their news while they're doing homework. They can take their news while they're doing chores. And that way you can stay up to date on what's going on and you'll get it delivered in Mr. C style in uh, the comfort of your own earbuds, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. And over at the anchor.fm slash the C report, you can also uh, uh, follow for free. We're available on uh, just about every major podcasting platform uh, and that includes all the miners as well we're on some obscure platforms for podcasting i've never even heard of we're probably on about i don't know maybe at least 15 different podcasting platforms all of which i'm not seeing any type of remunerations for i might add but you know what as long as the information gets out there that is great okay uh, because i will never put any of my content behind a paywall and i will never require you to pay for anything that i create but if you could help spread the word about the show that would be much appreciated now if you would like to make uh, a donation to the show one time or reoccurring then we are most definitely grateful one of the best ways to do that would be actually over at anchor.fm slash the c report where you can make monthly contributions anywhere from 99 cents to 9.99 a month and uh if you're if you're just a fan of the c report you're getting at least 20 broadcasts per month for that price point which i think is pretty pretty good for something that is independent something that doesn't have any type of, uh, we don't have any type of sponsors. We have no corporate affiliates. Uh, I, I am a one-man band and I run this uh, operation entirely on my own, uh, including getting, well, you know, I, I have help from, you know, a benefactor that's, you, you, well, you know, I mean, the roof I live under, correct, right? <laughs> 
so and and with the blessings of God, you know, but also, you know, uh, we are uh, we are delivering uh, news as uh, consistently as possible every day. We are up to date on our um, uh, podcast station, minus the Mr. Seeing the Dark episodes. I mean, we have over 248 episodes of the Sea Report on there. And, you know, some people don't like old news, but sometimes it's good to revisit that old news because it reoccurs. Uh, you know, a good example would be uh, the the revelations that we shared yesterday in regards to the Durham investigation and all of the news that's been dropping in that regard. But then again, you can also find timeless episodes like uh, episodes about the election fraud that's occurring. We've been on the ball and on it, ladies and gentlemen, since about, uh, I would say, at least March or April of 2021, covering as many and all election integrity and election fraud stories that we can find. And that is because I believe that this information is absolutely imperative for the patriot and for the citizen who um, who uh, uh, finds value in fairness, honesty, and integrity to get out those stories about uh, about the fraud that occurred and to know the different ways, mechanisms, and techniques that were utilized in order to steal the election from the American people and uh, and uh, install an illegitimate government in its wake. So I would say definitely go and check that out. That's a, that's just the list of all the episodes there. Now we got our Mr. C in the Dark episodes and our Lone Star News episodes currently in works for being uploaded onto the podcast. So you you will have a lot of content. And then for example, also like at Rumble, well at Rumble ladies and gentlemen, we just we've been on Rumble live streaming for about 2 weeks now if I'm not mistaken. And uh, to all to those few subscribers over there, our Rumble channel, you guys are probably like, this guy's pumping out something every day, sometimes two or three di- times a day. We are giving you news reports, new shows, new broadcasts, and uh, and watch parties and other videos to keep you guys informed abreast and to also build an archive that I think will be uh, very important and I think will be essential moving forward. You know, now big tech is getting pushback on censorship. Don't get me wrong. Uh, and I think the days of big tech's censoring, slandering, and uh, otherwise uh, uh, mal- malignance towards truth, honesty, and accuracy in reporting will come to an end. I have no doubt, you know, but uh, it's always good to have those, uh, those, um, those reservoirs there, uh, like our show over at uh, Rumble and uh, to have it there. But now just so you guys know, Rumble for some reason is not monetizing any of my content. They're not. So again, you guys will get it for free. Uh, and I will be giving it away for free, which is fine. But uh, that's why I say as many as many uh, videos that I do post over there at Rumble, I have to figure out why, but they are not monetizing anything that I do. Okay. So, uh, you know, if you guys make one-time donations or if you guys want to support the show in any other way, uh, it is definitely appreciated so that I can continue doing what I do and to expand this operation. Because if you think you've seen a lot of me lately, 
you may see a lot more of me in the future on this channel or other channels if I can only get this operation to grow. So your support is always appreciated. Stop by our website, thecreport.com. Uh, we are currently working on a remodeling that website, but I still got to push the address out there so you guys are aware about it. Uh, thecreport.com, bookmark it, share it, you know, send it out. It's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna look a lot different in the next coming days or so. I'm, I'm hoping to try and get it launched again by next week uh, because we've got some a lot of bigger things coming up here at the Sea Report. We're very excited about that and working on some other things like we got stickers coming in thanks to Printus Maximus. So if, uh, you definitely, guys, you'll want to check that out and be in the know. If you like what we're doing here, we absolutely appreciate your support and your love, your positive energy and your prayers. They're always needed ladies and gentlemen. All right. So uh, we got a lot of stuff going on today. Uh, the show for today, uh, it's going to be concentrated, but not too concentrated. I've already uh, probably gone on far too long in this introduction. But, uh, you know, we had, uh, we had some, uh, some striking news today. Uh, I think the most striking news that we had was that there was no strike in Ukraine. Did any of you guys hear uh, nuclear bombs going off? Or did I miss like a tank rolling out or, uh, you know, gunfire? Uh, any of you guys catch that? Okay, so just, just as I was thinking, right, right, uh, Russia did not invade Ukraine today, right? I'm not, I'm not late on that one, am I? <laughs> well, we've been saying it since day one. Russia had nothing to do with it. If there was going to be any type of strike in Ukraine, we all know that that was going to come from who? NATO, the deep state forces, the uh, globalists. The transhumanist, Satanist, communist filth that are trying to uh, rule this world. And uh, for whatever ends that they have, guys, I mean, why speculate? There's so many reasons why people like them would want to uh, put a clamp on humanity. But it is what it is. I think the other interesting uh, news story, and this has got to be developing, guys. This has got to be developing. And this is going to be one that I believe that... Uh, this is when I believe that a lot of the uh, the good old aluminum foil hats will probably latch onto. Heck, I'm kind of latching onto. I've been I've been kind of latched onto. I've been like half nipple here, if you know what I mean. And uh, that is uh, that's what Bob Saget guys. Okay, I mean uh, we shared with you guys. Everyone knew. Everyone knew the 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 pedo pervert daddy from uh, from a Full House. You know, when he died, what was the number one speculation when Bob Saget died? Why am I saying that with a smile? I should not be. I mean, this is humanity that we're talking about. We're also talking about uh, um, very strong allegations that this man was a pedophile and that he abused children, let alone. Do you want to know why the Olsen twins are so jacked up? Huh. Must have been all of those roofy milk chocolates that he slipped on back in the day. Anyways, we're a family show here if we're not in the dark. So I apologize. Allow me to uh, take a step back from that direction. But a lot of us were absolutely speculating that it had to do with the jab. It had to do with that good old COVID-19 mRNA gene serum inoculation that causes you to have, I don't know, uh, uh, aneurysms and, and blood clots and heart attacks and all that good stuff. Not that it's good, but you know what I mean. And, uh, well, oh, 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 then it comes out that he dies of a head injury. 
Okay. All right. So, uh, I guess, you know, um, I guess, I guess Danny Tanner must have ran into a tree going on a ski slope, just like Sonny Bono. Because apparently Sonny Bono died of the same thing. He died of a brain, he, he died of a head injury, right? Right. Uh, uh, not, not one that was so severe that it could not have been caused by a mere trip and fall. Or even going down a ski slope like 30 miles an hour. Now, if I recall the Sonny Bono incident, uh, the uh, the uh, autopsy showed that he had multiple, multiple fractures in the back of his skull. So again, I guess Sonny Bono did like a triple axle somersault and landed head backwards into a tree, right? No, I think, uh, I think they said it was more synonymous with being pistol whipped a few times in the back of the head. And, uh, well, it seems that uh, Danny Tanner, otherwise known as Bob Saget, um, he received uh, head injuries that were so severe, there was absolutely no way he fell and hit the corner of his bedside stand in that hotel. But here we have the family also filing an injunction preventing anyone from disclosing, researching, and or talking about the cause of his death, any furtherance in the news. Now... I don't know about you guys, but something smells rotten in the full house in that regard. But we'll leave that conversation for another time. It's just uh, something that I saw before I got on the air. So it was top of the mind. Very interesting indeed. And I'm pretty sure uh, my audience would agree with that. What is that all about? Who silenced Danny Tanner? Who cracked his skull open, caused a little bit of brain bleed, laid him on his bed, and put his hand over his chest. Questions that should be answered. And then the question here, too, is why would his family want nothing said any further about this matter? Yeah, that's a, that's a lot of stuff right there, guys. Anyhow, guys, we're going to go ahead and jump into our show for today. Uh, thank you all for joining us. Relanon, thank you for the 117 gold pills, Pilled by the Rabbit, and Cloudwatcher. Good to see you guys in the audience again this afternoon. And, uh, well, let's see what we got. We got, a, we got a pretty good show for you guys tonight. I think you guys will enjoy it. We have uh, news and resources coming to you from the Washington Examiner, the New York Post, News Punch, Breitbart, the Epoch Times, Project Veritas, and the Church militant with a dishonorable mention from cnbc news ladies and gentlemen so i know you guys will be looking forward to this one let's go ahead and get into it as you guys know president trump always leads at the sea report i think there's only been two shows where he didn't lead at the sea report but uh we got some statements from president trump coming at you guys today uh the first statement we have is actually a rather lengthy statement so you guys will bear with uh myself and the president as we share this information with you guys it's actually a financial statement so uh anytime president trump uh would like to share a financial statement or a statement regarding his businesses activities etc uh you know we're apt to share those with you guys because you know if President Trump is releasing, you know, uh, financial information, there's probably something else going on in the lamestream media that they're spinning or you know, they're spinning out of control. And quite, uh, quite recently, it seems that the mainstream, I will get mainstream out of my language because they are not mainstream anymore, ladies and gentlemen. They just think they are. But the lamestream, shamestream, fake news, legacy, propaganda, mockingbird media, 
you know they're spinning something and they're spinning out of control. So let's take a look at this first statement from President Trump and see what he has to say today. We'll go with this one. A uh, financial statement from President Trump released on uh, yesterday. It says, we have a great company with fantastic assets that are unique, extremely valuable, and in many cases, far more valuable than what was listed in our financial statements. Anyone with even a minor degree of financial acumen would recognize that these statements of financial condition prepared for the Trump organization are not audited, which is also prominently highlighted in the disclaimer declaration on page one and two of the documents themselves. Many company, my, oh, pardon me, my company has among the best real estate and other assets anywhere in the world, has significant amounts of cash and has relatively very little debt, which is totally current. The Mazars June 30th, 2014 statement of financial condition reported before I ran for president in 2015 contains subject to review of the entire statement, the following cash and marketable securities. Uh, let's see, that is a number that is far bigger than I'm used to seeing. Ah, just kidding. It's a uh, $302,300,000. Escrow reserve deposits and prepaid expenses, $40 million. Total assets, $6,300,700,000. A net worth of $5,777,540,000. And total liabilities and net worth of $6,300,700,000. This does not include the estimated brand value from an earlier date. As stated by Predictive, in addition, the value of business development, licensing, television revenues, and related income benefiting from the Trump brand were evaluated. Based on the information provided, it was concluded that the value of the Trump brand was in the $2.8 to $3 billion range. Based on current enthusiasm and transactions which have or will take place, the brand value today could be, in my opinion, substantially higher. But even at the low number, this would impart a net worth of approximately $8 to $9 billion. Remember, when the attorney general and or district attorney say they think my financial statements may be high, I don't even include these branding numbers in them, which is far more than any discrepancy they may have if there is a discrepancy at all. So it seems clearly here that even though uh, President Trump's financial statements seem like they may be high, it's probably the attorney general of New York or the district attorney of New York who actually is high as they're trying to uh, clamp down and uh, foist some type of malfeasance onto President Trump. So that begs the question, ladies and gentlemen, why would President Trump release a statement about his finances in regards to Mazars, uh, which is what it's a, uh, if I'm not mistaken, it's a tax firm that President Trump had been utilizing uh, for quite some time. I think I think possibly two decades is, is what I read. <coughs> well, pardon me. In case I'm not too uh, accurate on that, let's go ahead and take a look at this article uh, that is in relation to this statement that President Trump has released about this financial record. Uh, let's see if I can get this going here. Okay. And uh, this uh, statement here is coming to us from, or I should say this article is coming to us from CNBC. 
Remember how I was telling you the shame stream, lame stream was uh, probably one of the reasons why this statement came out? Well, let's see what this dishonorable mention has to say. It says, uh, in the headline, tax firm Mazars fires Trump organization as client, says former president's financial statements are unreliable. Key points. Uh, We don't need to read the key points. Let's just get to the meat and potatoes. Okay, it says here, the accounting firm Mazars has fired the Trump organization as a client after saying that a decade's worth of statements of ex-president, their words not mine, Donald Trump's financial condition, should no longer be relied upon, the New York Attorney General's office revealed in a court filing Monday. Amazars, which for years prepared Trump's income tax returns and financial statements used to obtain loans for his company, told the Trump organization's top lawyer, Alan Garten, that it would no longer represent the company due to the lack of reliability of the financial statements in a letter last Wednesday. The letter was cited by A.G. Letitia James' office on Monday as it asked a state judge to order the Trump organization Donald Trump Jr. and his sister, Ivanka Trump, and others to comply with subpoenas seeking documents and testimony. James, for several years, has been investigating how the Trump organization would uh, value certain real estate assets to in applications for loans, insurance policies, and tax-related issues. Trump's former personal lawyer, Michael Cohen, has told Congress that the company manipulated the value of those assets depending on the circumstances to obtain better financial terms and to lower its tax obligations. James' office said last month that it had determined that statements of Trump's financial condition described his valuation process in broad terms and in ways which were often inaccurate or misleading when compared with the supporting data and documentation that the Trump organization submitted to its accounting firm. Those statements were prepared by Mazars based on information provided by the Trump organization. Mazars told Garten in a Wednesday's letter that he should inform any recipients that the statements of Trump's financial condition for 2011 through 2020 should not be relied upon. The firm told Garten that its conclusion was based on filings made by the AG's office, our own investigation, and other information from different parties. While we have not concluded that the various financial statements as a whole contain material discrepancies based on the totality of the circumstances, we believe our advice to no longer rely, our advice to no longer rely upon those financial statements is appropriate, Mazar said in its letter to Garten. Mazars also said in its letter that it would no longer provide any new work product to the Trump organization. Okay, so that is what CNBC reports, and that's what they're saying is going on with Letitia James, the uh, AG over there in New York, the same AG that ran her campaign on getting Trump and bringing him to justice, or, you know, whatever her phrase was exactly. I mean, it wasn't as bad as uh, Tashida, uh, Rashida Tlaib, right? Goodness, that thing. Anyways, so, well, let's see, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, The statement from President Trump did not stop there with that financial um, disclosure that he led, but it did go on to say this. So let's see what the rest of President Trump had to say in regards to this entire situation. Now, uh, the letter, the statement from President Trump goes on to say, 
The accounting for Mazars has been threatened, harassed, and insulted like virtually no other firm has ever been. They were essentially forced to resign from a great long-term account by the prosecutorial misconduct of a highly political but failed gubernatorial candidate, Letitia James, and the Hillary Clinton-run District Attorney's Office of Manhattan, where crime has reached levels not even thought possible, including the vicious killing of a 35-year-old woman in her Chinatown apartment yesterday by a man who should never have been allowed to be on the streets. Murder and other crimes in Manhattan and New York have gone through the roof. Some crimes by as much as 100% as the Democrat-run DA and AG spends historic amounts of time, energy, and money trying to get Trump. Lawyers from Hillary Clinton's law firm, Paul Weiss, Rifkind, Wharton, and Garrison, have temporarily left the firm and gone to work in the district attorney's office in order to viciously make sure that the job gets done. Now, that right there, ladies and gentlemen, I think is rather newsworthy. You have uh, Hillary Clinton lawyers leaving their firm to go work for the attorney general. Is no one saying anything about this? Wow. The actions of the AG and DA, including the radical left Westchester County DA, who is a Trump-hating contributor at MSNBC, otherwise known as MSDNC, reveal the vile and malicious intent that underlies the nonstop barrage of insults and threats aimed at me and the Trump organization, including their years-long review of over 9 million pages of documents that go far beyond the statute of limitations. Letitia James got elected by violently attacking Donald J. Trump, even though she knew nothing about me. Likewise, District Attorney Alvin Bragg bragged that he has sued President Trump over 100 times, more than anybody else. He is now working hand-in-hand with people from the law firm which is one of Hillary Clinton's biggest donors. Chuck E. Schumer's brother, Robert, is a partner and runs the firm. As nobody paying attention to this either? A scandalo! After many years as the district attorney, the previous DA, the failed Cy Vance Jr. Re- oh wait, Cy Vance. Oh, we'll talk about Jr. in a minute. The previous DA, Cy Vance, recently left without being able to charge anything other than a fringe benefits case about which the Wall Street Journal editorial board commented saying, Manhattan DA Cy Vance Jr. Oh, it is Jr. And New York Attorney General Letitia James subpoenaed millions of documents and years of tax returns, and that's all they've come up with. They go on to say, the political motives at work are transparent. Attorney General James all but promised a selective prosecution, that is, pick a target, then search for a crime to allege. It looks like political targeting. The charge against a 74-year-old long-term and wonderful employee is that he did not pay taxes on a company car or a company apartment. Do others pay such a tax? Did Cy Vance pay a tax on his car? Oh, I just can't stand it when people are hypocritical like that. 
and a charge having to do with my paying for the education of his grandchildren. Murderers all over the city, and they are worried about me helping with young ones' children's education? We may be the only company ever criminally charged by a district attorney in a fringe benefits case. I believe Allen is innocent. But wait, there's more, ladies and gentlemen. The statement continues. Mazar's decision to withdraw was clearly a result of the AG's and DA's vicious intimidation tactics used also on other members of the Trump organization. Mazars, who were scared beyond belief in conversations with us, made it clear that they were willing to do or say anything to stop the constant threat, which has gone against them for years. They were broken and just wanted it all to stop. I wish they had the courage to fight it out, but they didn't. And who can blame them? But in their forced letter of surrender, Mazars does strongly state that all the work was performed in accordance with professional standards and that there were no material discrepancies in the financial statements. The attached, strongly worded, and unambiguous Mazars disclaimer clause or similar is in each financial statement dating back years. So now to see what is what in this debacle, this, uh, this, this web, it seems we need to uh, figure out for ourselves, guys, because we got spin from the media. Let's see what Mazar said. Now, this is, uh, this is from Mazars, okay, to President Trump. It says, uh, we have compiled the accompanying statement of financial condition of Donald J. Trump as of June 30th, 2014. We have not audited or reviewed the accompanying financial statement and accordingly do not express an opinion or provide any assurance about whether the financial statement is in accordance with accounting principles generally accepted in the United States of America. Donald J. Trump is responsible for the preparation and fair presentation of the financial statement in accordance with accounting principles generally accepted in the United States of America and for designing, implementing, and maintaining internal control relevant to the preparation and fair presentation of the financial statement. Our responsibility is to conduct the compilation in accordance with statements on standards for accounting and review services issued by the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants. The objective of a compilation is to assist Donald J. Trump in presenting financial information in the form of financial statements without undertaking to obtain or provide any assurance that there are no material modifications that should be made to the financial statement. We did become aware of departures from accounting principles generally accepted in the United States of America that are described in the following paragraphs. Accounting principles generally accepted in the United States of America require that in order to reflect amounts to be received in the future at estimated current values, the rights must be non-forfeitable, fixed and determinable, and not require any future services. As discussed in notes three, four, five, and six, Several of the values expressed have been based on future interests that, in some instances, are not for fixed or determinable amounts, and in some instances are based on performance of future services. 
Accounting principles generally accepted in the United States of America require that with respect to each closely held and other business entities, summarized information about assets, liabilities, and results of operations for the most current year be disclosed in the financial statements. In addition, the current estimated value of each closely held business should be recorded as a net investment assets net of liabilities. The accompanying statement of financial condition does not include the required summarized disclosures and reports some closely held business entities in a manner that separately states gross assets and liabilities and states certain cash positions separately from their related operating entity. Yeah, we ain't done yet. All right, we're almost there, guys. Woo! We're reading financial statements on uh, the C report today. It says, accounting principles generally accepted in the United States of America require that the receipt of non-interest bearing deposits in exchange for rights or privileges be recorded at the present value of the liability. As discussed in note three, the present value of the liability for non-interest bearing deposits received as a condition of membership in club facilities has not been included in the accompanying statement of financial condition other than in the case where the valuation of the asset is subject to the refunding of said deposit. Accounting principles generally accepted in the United States of America require that personal financial statements include a provision for current income taxes, as well as estimated income taxes on the differences between the estimated current values of assets and the estimate, uh, estimated current amounts of liabilities and their tax bases. The accompanying statements of financial condition does not include such provisions. Accounting principles generally accepted in the United States of America require that personal financial statements report cash and marketable securities as separate amounts. The accompanying statement of financial condition reports cash and marketable securities as a single amount. Accounting principles generally accepted in the United States of America require that a personal financial statements include all assets and liabilities of the individual whose financial statements are presented. The accompanying statement of financial condition does not include the following for Trump International Hotel and Tower Casino. One, real property. Two, mortgages and loans payable. And three, guarantees with Donald J. Trump may be provided. The effects of the departure from the accounting principles generally accepted in the United States of America as described above have not been determined because the significance and pervasiveness of the matters discussed above make it difficult to assess their impact on the statement of financial condition, users of this financial statement should recognize that they might reach different conclusions about the financial condition of Donald J. Trump if they had access to a revised statement of financial conditions prepared in conformity with accounting principles generally accepted in the United States. So I am no financial advisor or wise guy, ladies and gentlemen, but what I would say is, based on that last uh, paragraph there, it doesn't seem that the office of the Attorney General of New York, Letitia James, or any of those lawyers could make any kind of an assessment on his financial status unless they had everything and like to the minute. <laughs> it's kind of what that sounds like to me. Anyways, President Trump wraps it up for us. Don't worry, guys. He wraps it up for us. It says, This crime against me is a continuation of a witch hunt, the likes of which has never been seen in this country before. From Russia, 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 which has now been proven by the Durham findings to be a complete and total fraud. 
and treason, I might add, and espionage, I might add, to the Mueller report, impeachment hoax number one, impeachment hoax number two, and so much more, there has never been anything like it. The people of our country are angry and upset and losing faith in our system and our country itself. Instead of this sham investigation of a great company that has done a spectacular job for New York and beyond, why is not law enforcement and the fake news media, which has been so destructive to our country, looking into the fact that Hillary Clinton and her minions got caught spying into the office of the President of the United States, a crime so grave that it once called for the death penalty as punishment if caught. It does not get any worse than that. Five years of constant bombardment, this political race and racist attack must stop. Look to the murderers, drug dealers, and rapists instead. Very, very strong way to end that letter. I think you all would agree. It seems like the kid gloves are starting to come off more and more every day, doesn't it, ladies and gentlemen? I'm not saying that President Trump had kid gloves. And I am not making a remark about the size of his hands either, ladies and gentlemen. But what I am saying is that it is coming out more and more and more that there really might be something going on here. That maybe even those who were once caught up in the, the, the uh, chains, uh, no racist pun intended, of Trump derangement syndrome might have to face the fact that this has indeed been a witch hunt. But of course, then you'll have those people out there who are saying, well, I mean, she's the attorney general. And according to her, Mazar said they're firing Trump. But then the question has to be asked, well, who's telling the truth here? And if uh, the attorney general's office of New York has failed so many times and failed at least to keep her promises and failed at best to indict President Trump, who's telling the truth? Well, we know that the mainstream media has lied several times. Uh, we came upon a new favored phrase here yesterday on the C Report, didn't we? Didn't that phrase go something like falsos in, uh, oh, what, what, falsos in unos or something like that? Yeah, falsos in unos, falsos in omnibus. If you, uh, if you lie at one thing, you lie at everything. That takes us to our next statement from President Trump. Here it comes. Much of the now uncovered espionage campaign of the Democrats breaking into the White House and my New York City apartment took place after the 2016 election as yet another way to undermine the upcoming 2020 election. This spying into the Oval Office continued for a long period of time and further served to undermine and discredit the 2020 election. Along with massive ballot harvesting, phantom voters, and so many other things that made the election a sham, the voting numbers were big and determinative. Ooh. So uh, he's upping the ante here, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, we're not just going to talk about 
how you broke into my office and you spied on me, espionage. I mean, all we know espionage has to deal with international interests. And we all know from yesterday's episode that would include, at the very least, MI6 and the Brits. What else does President Trump have to say about this big lie? Uh, The big lie being, of course, that no one ever spied on President Trump. His next statement says, Why isn't the media asking who gave crooked Hillary Clinton plumbers their order? With Watergate, it was the cover-up that turned out to be the far bigger crime. With Hillary Gate, it is the mainstream media cover-up that is almost as big of a crime as the act of treasonous espionage. It is showing the world why our media is truly the enemy of the people. Falsos in unos, falsos omnibus. <laughs> I don't speak Latin, ladies and gentlemen. Give me a break, okay? <laughs> I'm glad you guys are here for the ride with me because uh, uh, we like to keep it salsi. Anyhow, so as we were saying here, this falsos omnibus, 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 falsos omnibus. Who's telling the truth here? Highly likely not the mainstream, lamestream, fake news media. Because everything just came out yesterday. Hillary Clinton, much to the dismay, the disgust, and the reviling of people around the world, dropped full trowel in the past few days when it came out that uh, her campaign literally was spying on President Trump. A fact now confirmed in the halls of jurisprudence and jurisdiction and, uh, you know, the courtroom. Through litigation, through evidence, through investigation, through grand jury testimony, through uh, speaking under oath, through questioning, through all of that good stuff, ladies and gentlemen. And yet the media, the mainstream media, has not the lamestream media, the shamestream media, the fake news media, the propaganda media, the mockingbird media has refused, ladies and gentlemen, to cover this story other than to combat John Durham in his investigation. Now, to recap, ladies and gentlemen, in case you missed yesterday's episode where we did a deep dive into the current events revolving around the John Durham investigation and Obamagate. Now, I believe President Trump, he's he's taking it in stride, right? He's like, okay, we know it was Obama. We said it was Obama on Twitter back in the day. We said, eh, Barry and Big Mike are spying on the president. And then the media went crazy into like a bloodthirsty frenzy, right? But he called it Hillary Gate here because she's just one rung up that ladder on the way to uh, Big Mike and his his uh, his girlfriend Barry, you know. So uh, I would I would say, hey guys, in case you missed it, and in case you have uh, you have a. a you have an outlying understanding of what's going on, you know, say you get your news from a place that kind of gives you the headlines and an assessment, but doesn't really like dig in, go back and watch yesterday's episode, episode number 250, what are we today? 58. Go back and watch episode 258. You can catch it on our podcast. You can catch it on the Foxhole. You can, you can catch it on Rumble. You can catch it on uh, Clout Hub. 
and, uh, and, and check out that episode. We did a deep dive all the way to the bottom. Over here at the Sea Report, what we always say is we will get to the bottom of it. We don't care who's on top, ladies and gentlemen. And indeed, we're on the way up that ladder as we figure it out. And we get into the practicality of this being an Obama scandal, right? Right. And so what was revealed as we shared yesterday uh, through that discourse is that we weren't talking about the spying that happened because of what? The Steele dossier where the FBI, uh, you know, spied on who Carter Page and uh, and uh, and eventually George Papadopoulos. No, we're not talking about that spying, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, just in brief recap, you know, Durham reported that in July of 2016, we had this uh, tech executive by the name of Rodney Jaffe, who was working with the Clinton campaign's law firm, Perkins Coy, to mine internet data. And some of this internet data was non-public and or proprietary. Now, when they say it's proprietary, that means that it's secret, top secret, for British eyes only. No, just kidding. That's something. No, for, for need to know and for the eyes of people who are privileged to see it. And what they were doing is they were searching information that could be used to claim that President Trump had a connection to Russia. Now, they were mining Internet data and traffic, not only from Trump Tower, but also from Donald Trump, President Trump's Central Park West apartment building. And after President Trump was elected president, they were also mining internet traffic data from the executive office of the president of the United States itself. Ladies and gentlemen, this information has been disclosed in the investigation of John Durham. We've reached the other side of the Delaware and we are on the offensive now. And according to John Durham, according to John Durham, Rodney Joffe's company had come to access and maintain dedicated servers for the executive office of the president as part of a sensitive arrangement that they're trying to hide behind some uh, Yoda Russian phone, right, that had been utilized since Obama was in office, that supposedly was being utilized to protect Obama from what? Foreign interference and spying. Oh, oh it was set up to protect Obama, but then it was used to spy on Trump or it was used as a catalyst to enter into the executive office of the president. This was a government contract, ladies and gentlemen, and it provided tech services. But for who? Apparently for the Clinton campaign, for Clinton's lawyers at Perkins Coie, and for, I'm sure, interested members of the Democrat National Committee. They then exploited this arrangement by mining the executive office of the president's internet traffic and other data for the purpose of gathering derogatory information about President Donald Trump. That says a lot right there, ladies and gentlemen. You see, the media is failing to report this. Instead, they're putting up, uh, they're putting up like old coat hacks who are saying and spinning this to anyone, to any, to any, uh, any lemur, 
or is it, or a lemming? What, what is the one with the big eyes, right? That goes off the cliff. Is it a lemming or a lemur? Whatever, whatever that rodent is, they are willing to tell any parrot, any mockingbird, any lemming, any lemur, lemming winks, anyone who will believe them. Anyone with an IQ in the negatives that still watches their shows and just, you know, copies what they say, talking points, in the hopes that this will gain traction in the general conscious of the American public. It's not going to work. It's not going to happen. Sorry. Too many of us are awake and aware and because of my audience out there and because of shows like this, purveyors of the truth to the best of our ability, the collective consciousness is quite aware of this scandal and corruption. Because again, ladies and gentlemen, with the lamestream, shamestream, fake news, legacy, mockingbird propaganda, media is failing to report to the American people and to the world, but don't get it wrong, the world sees what is happening. The world is like, they got busted, and the American news isn't saying anything. Don't they think this looks bad? Well, the lamestream press is failing to report that Democrat-paid operatives illegally hacked their political opponents' communications during a presidential campaign, and then they did it again, oops, they did it again, to a sitting president and to the White House staff. A crime so grave it was once punishable, by death. And you just know, ladies and gentlemen, that even though the leftist leaning liberals, the Democrats, the progressives, the communist sympathizers, and the self-avowed socialists who do not believe in the death sentence would have bust out that uh, electric chair guillotine if this had been a true, true crime that was being committed. Oh, if President Trump had done this to Obama or Hillary or even illegitimate Joe and his poopy pants. Oh, man, they would have resurrected. They would have resurrected that uh, that uh, that uh, death penalty as soon as they could. I mean, you know, call up Jesus. Let's bring it back, guys. Resurrection time. Anyhow, ladies and gentlemen, if you're new to the show or if you didn't catch yesterday's report, please be sure to check it out. Episode number 248. Check it out on our podcast. Pop it in your earbuds while you're going to bed tonight. It is an episode that is most definitely worth tuning into. Now, you guys are probably getting tired as heck. You guys are probably getting tired of, as heck of seeing uh, this uh, swamp creature on the screen. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I'm sure you are. It's got to be, uh, it's got to be, it's got to be the, well, she is the thing of nightmares. Don't get me wrong, ladies and gentlemen. She is the thing of nightmares. Uh, but, uh, well, I hope you guys didn't just eat dinner because, uh, <laughs> there's another one, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, Lord. She's like, what? They found out, ladies and gentlemen. They found out. Well, with all of this information coming to light, with this Durham investigation really starting to produce people that produce. It appears that um, Hillary Clinton's actually responded to these allegations that her campaign and uh, people that she was working with 
might have been spying on a duly elected president. What do you think she had to say? Let's turn over to the pages of, uh, I think this is the New York Post, ladies and gentlemen. Now, the New York Post says Hillary Clinton finally breaks silence, calls John Durham claims a fake scandal. Oh, really, Hillary? Let's see what she has to say. (coughs) It says here, the former first lady, the former senator, the former secretary of state and the two time Democrat presidential candidate finally responded Wednesday to last week's court filings by special counsel John Durham, alleging that her 2016 presidential campaign paid for computer research to link then-candidate Donald Trump to Russia. Trump and Fox are desperately spinning up a fake scandal to distract from his real ones, Clinton said on Twitter. So it's a day that ends in a Y. The more his misdeeds are exposed, the more they lie. For those interested in reality... Here's a good debunking on their latest nonsense. She concluded the post attaching a link to a Vanity Fair article titled, You'll never believe it, but Hillary Clinton did not, in fact, spy on Trump's White House. Clinton broke her silence one day after she ignored questions from the post about Durham's claims after she and her daughter, Chelsea, were at a Queen's restaurant. Durham filed court papers Friday in which he alleged that a Clinton campaign lawyer enlisted a tech executive to help mine internet data from locations including Trump Tower and the White House to establish an inference and narrative tying then-candidate Trump to Russia. The documents filed by Durham, who was appointed special counsel by then-Attorney General William Barr in May 2019, have ignited a firestorm of criticism against the Clinton campaign and led to calls for a closer look at the FBI's handling of the Russia probe, which was codenamed Crossfire Hurricane. Trump himself, uh, who described the accusations as bigger than Watergate, called on the Justice Department Tuesday to declassify and release all of the remaining documents related to the claims that his campaign colluded with Russia. They have the declassification order, and they should declassify absolutely, especially in the light of what has just happened and what has just been revealed, the 45th president told Fox News. Faux news! Two Republican senators, Ron Johnson of Wisconsin... Ah! Check it out. The New York Times picked up my line. Oh, Ron Johnson of Wisconsin. And Chuck Grassley of Iowa also asked the Justice Department Tuesday to disclassify all outstanding Russia probe records. Representative Kevin McCarthy, the House Minority Leader who bunks with the known uh, leftist uh, shill, vowed on the same day to pursue Durham's findings if Republicans gain control of the House after this fall's midterm elections. Special counsel John Durham's continued investigation into the Russia hoax is essential to getting to the truth and protecting our democracy, McCarthy said in a statement to the Post. Democrats and legacy media may want to sweep this alarming report under the rug, but if House Republicans earn the majority, 
we will use our oversight tools to determine whether federal funds were used, whether federal office holders abused their power, and investigate other disturbing elements of this spying scheme to ensure nothing like it ever happens again. I don't know, McCarthy. I mean, you might say that, McCarthy, but I mean, where are you on election integrity, sir? Where are you on, um, I don't know, the insurrection that happened on 3 November? You ain't nowhere to be seen, buddy. We don't trust you. Uh, this is clearly just for him to get some kind of political clout, ladies and gentlemen. I, I don't know if I would trust McCarthy more than I would throw my mama, and I would never throw my mama. So I would never trust McCarthy. Oh, look at here, guys. If it isn't the old cannibal herself. Yep. That's, uh, that is one cannibal Clinton. Let's see, what does the caption say? Cannibal Clinton and her daughter reportedly spent a few hours inside the Cucina Pinoy, Pinoy Bistro filming for an undisclosed project. Hmm. I don't know if I would go anywhere that Hillary Clinton goes to eat, ladies and gentlemen. Anyways, the article continues... Durham alleged in his filing Friday that Michael Sussman, a Clinton campaign lawyer, assembled and conveyed spurious claims about the Trump organization and Moscow-based Alphabank to the FBI on behalf of at least two specific clients, including the Clinton campaign. Sussman has been charged with lying to a federal agent and pleaded not guilty in September, but according to Durham, Sussman, then Sussman told then-FBI General Counsel James Baker in September 2016 that he was not working on behalf of the Clinton campaign when he handed over documents purportedly detailing a supposed link between the Trump Organization and Alpha Bank. A story we all know. Look at this awkward handshake between President Trump and uh, uh, Hillary Cannibal Clinton. Ha! <laughs> He's like, yeah, you little cannibal. And she's like, oh, I can't look him in the eyes. Oh, she looks a little desperate in that picture. Okay, we know, whatever, we know the deal with Sussman uh, and all that good stuff. So we'll, we'll just skip over that for the uh, sake of time, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, but uh, yeah, there you have it. She has responded. She has responded. And Jim Jordan is trying to, or no, I'm sorry, not Jim Jordan. McCarthy's trying to capitalize on it politically speaking, so to speak. Ladies and gentlemen, well, story doesn't end there. Now check out this clickbait article from, this is from News Punch, if I'm not mistaken. So apparently we have a, uh, we have a, a reporter, I think from the Daily Mail, maybe, confronting Hillary Clinton. Now, I've seen two different videos, okay? Maybe in this photo, maybe in this photo, she looks, she looks, what does it say? Hillary Clinton trembles with fear when reporter confronts her about illegal spying on President Trump. So maybe in this photo, maybe when she got off of her, like, I don't know, her black, black uh, uh, ambulance slash van thing there, you know, she maybe she was afraid she was going to fall and break something. And that's why she looked... Because I've seen the videos. I've seen two different angles and one where she was exiting the building. And she didn't, she didn't look like she was scared, trembling, or in trepidation at all whenever they were... They, and the lady was like, Hillary Clinton, very soft-spoken. Hillary Clinton, did, uh, uh, did you spy on the Trump campaign in the Oval Office? And she's just like waving and walks into her little 
Casino, Pinoy, Bistro, whatever it's called. Uh, anyways, this is what the article says. It says, Hillary Clinton was left visibly shaken up on Tuesday after a reporter confronted her about the illegal spying her campaign conducted against President Donald Trump. As uh, Hillary and daughter Chelsea emerged from a Filipino restaurant in Queens, a brave reporter confronted the twice-failed presidential candidate over reports that members of her inner circle could face arrest for illegally hacking servers in the White House and Trump Tower during President Trump's presidency. Oh, here it is. Yeah, it was Daily Mail. Reports, she refused to say when or if she planned to comment. Clinton was arriving at her daughter's Chelsea Manhattan apartment mid-morning. Now, oh, I'm sorry, guys. I'm, I didn't mean to let you guys see me reading. But what I was going to say is that um, the, the lady basically waited until Hillary Clinton was in the door. And then she sounded like a mouse. Okay. Like, I would have been like, hey, Hillary. You know, like, I don't know. I mean, I say that, but I don't know. I wasn't in New York. Okay. Wearing a blue coat and black pants, she looked strained behind her black face mask. Okay. Okay, she was wearing a black face mask. For some reason, I thought I saw a purple or a blue one. Okay, and uh, let's see here. She looks strained, it says. Where's it at? Uh, as she stoically ran the gauntlet of questions. It was one question. It was not even a gauntlet of questions. It was one question that was uh, pitched to her above a whisper, just barely. And, and, uh, and quite mildly, I might add. The former First Lady and Secretary of State is slated as the keynote speaker at Thursday's New York State Democrat Convention. A short while later, a considerably more dolled-up Clinton was seen heading out to lunch with her daughter at Cusina Pinoy Bistro in Woodside, New York, in the borough of Queens. A film crew was seen setting up inside the restaurant. Okay, I get it. So this photo of Hillary where she looks te uh, terrified, quite frank, to be, to be quite frank is probably because she didn't have her makeup on. <laughs> That's what Hillary Clinton looks like without her face on, said the child that she uh, frazzle-dripped. All right, no pun. Uh, oh, I guess that was a pun intended in really bad taste. Sorry, guys. Now, uh, it says here, Chelsea also looked dressed up for the occasion in a long black puffer jacket with a blood orange skirt peeking out underneath and black heels. Uh, apparently, News Punch needs to make sure that they deliver all the fashion statements, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, so it goes on to say here. Uh, Clinton continued to stonewall questions after Tuesday as she and Chelsea emerged from a Filipino restaurant in Queens after approximately three hours during which they appeared to be filming. Head down and blanking all inquiries, mother and daughter headed back into the city flanked by their secret service detail. I only, you guys correct me if I'm wrong, I only saw two videos with the same reporter and no one else there except a cameraman. News Punch is making this seem like it was a lot more than it is, in my opinion. Okay, it says here, It comes after a Friday court filing by special counsel John Durham, which alleged Clinton's 2016 campaign paid a tech firm to infiltrate Trump Tower servers and later White House servers in a bid to establish a link between Trump and Russia. Let's not forget, ladies and gentlemen, that uh, the Durham team has had grand jury testimony from like, I don't know, probably north of 50 people in the FBI, in the CIA, and in all of these little agencies 
and they still want to use a word like alleged. Go figure, ladies and gentlemen. Go figure. Anyhow, quite interesting. Like I said, guys, uh, she went into some bakery with her daughter. I wouldn't trust anywhere that Hillary goes to eat, guys. You know they gotta be serving something special on that menu, right? <laughs> oh, laws, no. Oh, crap, where'd that come from? Uh, let, me, let me get that off the screen. Sorry, guys. I know you guys are probably eating dinner right now. My bad. Oh, well. Well, there's a lovely face. There's a lovely face. Okay, who's this lady? Yeah, we're, we're moving on from... Cannibal Hillary Clinton. Oh, Cannibal Clinton. Can oh, oh, oh. Clinton the cannibal. Clinton the cannibal. <laughs> Let's call her that. Okay. All right, guys. Moving right along with tonight's report. Thank you all for joining us again if you're live with us. Uh, Empress Beach to you. Thank you so much for donating a cookie and 123SKG. Much appreciate it as well, Sean Joe. Empress Beach, all with the cookies. Thank you so much. And a can. You guys are being... Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate the donations. Uh, good to see you in the audience. If I haven't said hello yet, Relanon, Pilled by the Rabbit, Cloud Watcher, Empress Beach to you, Sean Joe, uh, some uh, heavy breather with intestinal woe that got blocked, 123SKG, Canoe Tripper, Duppy, uh, Deplora Laura's hanging out over there at Twitch with Likely underscore Diamond. Ah, yes. Likely underscore diamond is wondering if I write out an entire script. No, I don't. If you would like to see what I work from, and I'm, I'm, I totally disclose everything. Uh, basically, I have a, an outline here that I work with whenever I'm going live, just so you can see. Just so you can see the words I'm saying right now don't come pre-written. Uh, yeah, so, uh, you know, here are the sources that I cite, just so I don't forget to mention them. And don't get me wrong, sometimes I totally forget to mention them. Uh, we'll have some dishonorable mentions every now and then. So there's, like, CNBC. You know, we don't really turn to CNBC for news. But, you know, every now and then, the uh, enemy press will put out, you know, feelers and telegraph some of the things that they, you know, like and stuff like that. And then, uh, you know, uh, I make sure I have uh, just an outline of what I'm going to be talking about so I don't get lost in the mix because sometimes, you know, I get people like uh, that heavy breather that got uh, blocked who try to distract me, you know, and then I'm like, wait, where was I? Or what was my train of thought? Incidentally, for today's show, I didn't get to finish writing out my uh, outline and I save these outlines as well, too, uh, Likely Diamond. I hope I'm answering your question, Likely Diamond. Uh, but anyways, uh, yeah, so it's just so I don't forget. I mean, I have all my slides here in the presentation. I have articles that I read and share, you know. But just so I don't get lost, I do like to keep some semblance of an outline you know, uh, it used to be worse. I used to be much worse at it, guys. When I say worse, I mean I used to really have this outline here that took me hours to prepare. And I've just been, as I go along, trying to figure out a way to consolidate all of that so it's quick and easy. And, you know, I have time to breathe, etc. that kind of thing. Anyways, thanks for joining us, Likely Diamond. It's the first time I've seen you in the audience. And, uh, you know, I hope you're enjoying the show. Okay. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah, I think Likely Diamond might be a troll in disguise. Uh, Deplora, Laura, you, thank you for uh, hanging out over there. I mean, with a question with, like, do you write out an entire script before going live? You know that they're being diminishing and diminutive. But it's all good, Likely Diamond. Enjoy yourself while you're here and uh, don't let the door hit you on the way out. Okay, so let's talk about this uh, this beautiful face on the screen. This is, uh, this is, uh, this is the... China Lizard Cheney competition to unseat her, to get her primary, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, and uh, as you may know, that is over there in the um, state of Wyoming. Uh, we have Harriet Hagman is the name of this lady here. And uh, this story we're going to share has to do with one of uh, the uh, big money donors for uh, President Trump. Um, otherwise known as a MAGA donor. Um, this is Peter Thiel. Now, this has got to irk. This has got to irk China Liz Cheney, ladies and gentlemen, because after all, uh, you got a pretty big, uh, what is he, a venture capitalist here who hosts, uh, who hosts a, a luncheon or a fundraiser for Harriet Hageman. So that's going to help her most definitely if she, weren't, uh, if she weren't being assisted by President Trump's endorsement enough. And what, what they're trying to do here, guys, is just to ensure that uh, China Liz Cheney has no chances whatsoever of uh, of retaining her seat. So uh, this letter comes from Breitbart, ladies and gentlemen. It says here, big money donor Peter Thiel hosts fundraiser for Liz Cheney's primary opponent, Harriet Hageman. It goes on to say this. Venture capitalist and Republican mega donor Peter Thiel on Wednesday hosted a fundraiser for Democrat allied Liz Cheney, China Liz Cheney, primary opponent, Harriet Hageman. Hageman, who has been picking up momentum to defeat Cheney in a crowded race, won the much-coveted financial backing of Thiel. During the event held in Thiel's Florida home, the megadonor reportedly called Cheney the ringleader of the treasonous ten. All the band brothers! Three of them are gone, ladies and gentlemen. You have seven siblings left in this band of brothers. And apparently uh, Liz Cheney's the big sister here. And of course, the treasonous 10 is in reference to those House Republicans who voted to impeach Donald Trump. The way we're going to defeat the left, the way we're going to roll them back, it's going to start in the Republican Party, Thiel reportedly said. I mean, come on, Peter Thiel. You got a lot of Republicans to get rid of at this point. I mean, at least, what, 80% of them? That's where we have some problems. We've got to clean house there first, Thiel added about his strategy to push the GOP towards American first policies. Thiel's fundraiser for Hageman comes as a January straw poll revealed Hageman holds a commanding lead over China Cheney. By secret ballot, Hageman earned 59 votes and Cheney was given only six meaning Hageman won by 53. The poll was conducted by the Wyoming Republican State Central Committee among GOP activists. I think it's a sign, not an endorsement, but these are the country, the county activists, Hageman said of the poll. Hageman also told Breitbart News that Cheney does not represent the priorities of Wyoming's voters. Liz Cheney has lost Wyoming. China Liz Cheney does not 
live in Wyoming. She doesn't represent us. She doesn't represent our values, Hageman said. In November, the Wyoming Republican Party voted to no longer recognize China Cheney as a Republican. All right. Will you go Harriet Hageman? She looks like Wyoming to me. I've never been to Wyoming. But I would guess, you know, she looks a lot more like Wyoming than China Cheney does anyways. All right, guys. Next story for tonight. We're moving on to some COVID-19 stories. Can you believe it? COVID-19, a story that we most definitely don't cover all the time here. Because, I mean, everyone else is doing it. No, just kidding. I mean, the COVID-19, it does its own job of taking care of its downfall. Okay. Why, why interrupt an enemy when they are destroying themselves, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen? But we have, a few, we have a few couple stories today. And uh, uh, we have a few couple stories. Oh, wait, let me pause here real quick. Okay, Likely Diamond, I apologize. I am totally bad at, I mean, I'm totally bad at reading sarcasm. And you, maybe you weren't being sarcastic. It was ironic. But uh, anyways, I try and be as genuine as I can. So those kinds of, uh, you know, language mechanisms, they're lost on me most of the time. Uh, but okay, guys. All right, let's go ahead and continue. It looks like we might have a new fan or maybe a, a new audience member. Maybe not, maybe not a fan, but maybe, maybe someone who will keep Deplore Laura, uh, you know, company over there at Twitch would be excellently great uh, for Deplore Laura and, uh, and for, you know, the audience. You guys keep the door open. You keep the seat warm. You keep the light on. Love it, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, let's go ahead and move on to the COVID-19 story du jour that we have for tonight. We got a few stories for you guys. First of all, we're going to talk about a Pfizer whistleblower, okay? And that's going to be ahead of the Project Veritas that just dropped, ladies and gentlemen, which is also quite the story. We're turning over to the pages of the Epoch Times for this, ladies and gentlemen. It says, exclusive Pfizer trial whistleblower presses forward with lawsuit without United States government's help. Well, I wonder what that's all about, ladies and gentlemen. It says here, a former clinical trial overseer for a contractor holding trials of Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccine is pressing forward with a lawsuit against Pfizer and her former company, despite the United States government declining to side with her. Brooke Jackson was fired by the contractor Ventavia Research Group in 2020. She came forward as a whistleblower in 2021. Jackson filed a False Claims Act suit against Pfizer, Ventavia, and another company involved in the trial, Icon. It has been under seal for over a year, but is now public after the U.S. Department of Justice declined to intervene on behalf of Jackson. Government lawyers did not explain the choice not to intervene, and the Food and Drug Administration, FDA, which investigates alleged clinical trial fraud, did not respond to a request for comment. The choice, though, has not deterred the whistleblower. We're going to pursue the case without the help of the government, Jackson told the Epoch Times. She said she wasn't surprised but felt total disappointment when, after over a year of putting off a decision, the government declined to intervene. The odds of success are not good, but it's just a chance I have to take, Jackson said. I just feel like somebody has to be held accountable. 
Jackson set off a firestorm when the British Medical Journal in November 2021 published a piece based on documents, recordings, and other materials from Jackson that outlined repeated failures by Ventavia to properly run sites for Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccine trial before it received emergency clearance from the U.S. drug regulators. While the article did not include any of the materials, many were filed with the court and obtained by the Epoch Times, including emails that detail problems observed, not just by Jackson, but other Ventavia workers. For instance, Lovica Downs wrote on September 18th, 2020 to Jackson and another employee that she observed boxing, uh, that she observed boxes containing patient information left on the counter, fully exposed to anyone that entered the room could see. Other missives described other problems. Marnie Fisher, Vantavia's director of operations at the time, said on September 21st, 2020, that an investigation found multiple sites had left documents exposed, including a schedule with patient names on it, adverse events either not being reported correctly or at all, the vaccine and placebo not being kept locked in disorganized rooms, and informed consent errors. The documents show that Ventavia employees were aware of serious problems arising during the trial, including vaccine administrators who were either described as having no training and very little oversight or lacking medical certifications or background. A Pfizer official was copied on and answered some of the emails. The full sets of documents are embedded. The article continues below. Downs declined to comment while Fisher could not be reached. Icon and Pfizer did not respond to the request for comment. Ventavia's spokeswoman, Lauren Foreman, told the Epoch Times via email last year that Jackson worked for Ventavia, but no part of her job responsibilities concerned the clinical trials at issue. In an updated statement on February 11th, Foreman added, Although Jackson was hired to oversee certain sites and aspects of clinical trials, she was only employed with Ventavia for 18 days and as a result did not have the longevity with the company to complete the training for the role for which she was hired. Jackson, through her lawyer, recently threatened to file a defamation lawsuit against Ventavia over its description of her employment. The FDA told Epoch Times in the email last year, although the agency cannot comment further at this time in this ongoing matter, FDA has full competence in the data that were used to support the Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine authorization and the uh, Kerminati approval. Kerminati. Spokespersons uh, did not reply when asked on Monday for an update. Jackson was fired hours after filing a complaint with the FDA. A Pfizer official within weeks reached out directly to Jackson for more information, according to text messages reviewed by the Epoch Times. The suit was brought under the False Claims Act, which enables Americans to file suit on behalf of the government against those who have defrauded the government, according to the government. More than $5.6 billion has been obtained through suits under this act as of the fall of 2021. The suit says Pfizer, Icon, and Ventavia deliberately withheld crucial information from the United States that calls the safety and efficacy of their vaccine into question. Namely, defendants concealed violations of both their clinical trial protocol and federal regulations, including falsification of clinical trial documents, it also says. Due to the defendant's scheme, millions of Americans have received a misbranded vaccination, which is potentially not as effective as represented. 
Jackson is asking the court to award her damages and back pay and reinstate her to her position with Ventavia. Lordy, lordy. Well, I mean, it's rather obvious here why the government is not going to help you, Ms. Jackson. Because uh, that would implicate themselves <laughs> in going along with this entire mess. Oh, Lord. Okay. Anyways, guys. Anyways. That's, uh, that's crazy, guys. Um, yeah, Ms. Jackson, it's pretty obvious. And, and I don't understand why she would want to go back to work there either. I, yeah, but that's interesting though, because, um, it kind of shows the culture, you know, it shows the culture of this entire COVID MRNA vaccine planned pandemic stuff. It shows the culture of it all guys. And, uh, it goes all the way back, all the way back, all the way back to, you know, the whole start of this thing under Fauci and stuff, but I'm not going to get generic on it. I told you she was a troll, Deplora Laura. Anyways, okay. <laughs> it's probably someone on the platform that's just jealous. Okay. All right. So let's talk about, um, let's talk about uh, the Democrats. Okay. Because, you know, I mean, as the entire narrative and story of the pre-plandemic, pre-planned pandemic and this genuinely manufactured disease comes about, ladies and gentlemen, and uh, the entire narrative fails. And now we see the Democrats are backpedaling because it's election season, right? As if though no one else can see this, guys. I mean, clearly there are Democrats and liberals and likely diamonds out there that can tell that this is all fake, right? Like it's been a sham the entire time. Uh, we're seeing that there's also some dissension within the ranks. Uh, I think, where does this article come from? It's probably from Just the News. Oh, yeah, Breitbart. All right, let's go. Let's get through this, ladies and gentlemen. Article says, some Democrats oppose Nancy Pelosi's House floor mask mandate, uniting with Republicans. Okay, it says here, some Democrat lawmakers have expressed displeasure at wearing masks on the House floor a pivot from the days when Democrats were united against unmasked Republicans. While Republicans have racked up hundreds of thousands of dollars in fines for not wearing a mask on the House floor, Democrats are beginning to question House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's, that's Hood's Pelosi's, mask rules. Violation of her Capitol building masking rules entails a $500 first-time fine and thereafter a $2,500 per violation in perpetuity. So far, two Democrat House members have spoken out against Pelosi's ongoing masking mandate. Representative Dan Kildee of Michigan, surprise, surprise, told the playbook um, the policy should be made sooner rather than later, noting Hood's Pelosi's medical advisors will have the final say. I wish more of my colleagues were vaccinated, but I think we will have to modify our approach to the pandemic as it changes. Hopefully something this spring, he said. Representative Susan Wild, a member of the House Ethics Committee, told Playbook her committee has been saddled with policing Pelosi's mask mandate, which should be lifted in March. The Ethics Committee has sadly been, over, uh, been turned into the mask 
police. And we're spending way too much time on mask violation issues, Wilde said. When we come back from recess in early March, unless there's been some new strain or variant, I think it's time to get rid of the mask mandate. Congressional Democrats' opinions on masking comes as many Democrats-controlled states such as New York State, New Jersey, Oregon, Illinois, Delaware, and California have eased masked, masked restrictions. The science of coronavirus transmission has not changed since the original lockdown in 2020. Not all Democrats are beginning to give Americans back their freedom to make individual health choices. The White House on Wednesday demanded American, Americans remain in obedience to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention health guidance and told Americans to mask up everywhere around the country. Our guidance has consistently been this. When you are in a high transmission area, we want you to suffocate and die, said White House Press Secretary Jen Circleback Saki. Meanwhile, Wednesday, polling found the majority of voters were displeased with Biden's handling of coronavirus 2019. Uh, that's at 50 to 45 percent. Only 22 percent strongly approved of Biden's handling of the pandemic while 36% strongly disapproved. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, yes, so everyone, a whole lot of infighting, aside from like, you know, eating their own, you know, they are, uh, they are infighting. So, you know, so let it be said, so let it be done, ladies and gentlemen. What's new? It's election season. It is election season ladies and gentlemen. So we, we can expect to see the big hypocrites come on out of the shadows and reveal themselves to be what they always have been, which is a big old hypocrite. Okay, guys. All right. So we had a new, uh, we had a new drop from Project Veritas. It's been a while since we've played anything from Project Veritas on our show. So uh, we're going to show this one, guys. And after this, we got one more story for you and we're going to call tonight a wrap. And uh, <laughs> that's a good one, Deplora Laura. <laughs> that ain't real. It's a CZ. Anyhow. Okay. You know with a name like that, that they're probably like, I don't know, a trans like animal sitting in their mom's basement uh, with a pink hat on and uh, I don't know, a thumb somewhere. All right, guys, uh, what are you saying over there, Pilled by the Rabbit? We have someone on the platform that's probably jealous, seems to have some kind of issues. That's generally the case, Pilled by the Rabbit, uh, particularly on the platform you're on, my friend. We don't get many trolls on that platform, so it's probably someone else on that platform. As for likely Cubic Zirconia over here, I don't know. I mean, have you seen some of the uh, SJWs on Twitch uh, and the communists? Have you seen them? Yeah, they're, they're, they're likely, uh, they don't even, I wouldn't even call them cubic zirconia. I'd call them like a petrified piece of dung. Anyhow, guys, we don't want to get off of the target today. So let's go ahead and continue. Okay. Oh, thank you, Laura. I appreciate, I forgot I made you a mod. You're there for a reason, ma'am. <laughs> Awesomeness. Laura Brown is in town, ladies and gentlemen. I told you she was a troll. They're these passive-aggressive SJW, like, 
third nipple suckers, okay, that come in here and they say something that's diminutive and then they try and say, no, that's not what I meant. And then they just continue to chop and chop and chop and chop. And I mean, it's it's quite odd. Who comes into a chat room and opens with that kind of a question, okay? At least the heavy breather with intestinal woe over there at Foxhole gets right to the point, okay? And uh, I don't know if you guys saw what that person said, but yeah, I can be that to the people who deserve it. So I don't take any kind of offense to a name like that. Besides, what business is it of mine what you guys think about me? I don't mean you guys, I mean the trolls out there. It's not my business what you think about me. I ain't gonna, I ain't gonna sweat the petty things, ladies and gentlemen. I am going to pet the sweaty things, okay? Did I say that right? Anyways, let's move on to Project Veritas. Major drop coming out of Project Veritas. We're running out of time. We're running out of time. I don't know. You know, I have like three people who were knighted as mods over at Foxhole and none of them ever seem to uh, kick out the trolls. <laughs> Maybe they like seeing me do battle. I'm not sure. Do you guys know? Do you, do you, it, I'll, I'll, I'll private message the people who I crowned as mods over there in Foxhole and see if they even remember. Okay. All right. Let's see what we got here. We got FDA exposed part one. This is Biden's vaccine vision. Let's let's kind of get a recap of what is going on over there. Uh, it says here, according to this here website, FDA executive officer on hidden camera reveals future COVID policy. Biden wants to inoculate as many people as possible have to get an annual shot. Oh, kind of like what we figured was going on from the jump, ladies and gentlemen. Kind of like what we figured out from the jump. We all knew it was headed this way. They wanted the uh, mRNA inoculation synonymous with annual flu shots. Yeah, we knew this. So it says here, uh, well, they give us a recap. Let's get to the meat and potatoes. It says, Food and Drug Administration FDA Executive Officer Christopher Cole inadvertently reveals that his agency will eventually announce that annual COVID-19 vaccinations will become policy. Cole is an executive officer heading up the agency's countermeasures initiatives, which plays a critical role in ensuring that drugs, vaccines, and other measures to counter infectious diseases and viruses are safe. He made the revelations on a hidden camera to an undercover Project Veritas reporter. Cole indicates that annual COVID-19 shots is not probable, but certain. When pushed on how he knows an annual shot will become policy, Cole states, just from everything I've heard, they, the FDA, are not going, are not going to not approve it. The footage, which is part of a two-part series on the FDA, also contains sound bites from Cole about the financial incentives pharmaceutical companies like Pfizer have to get the vaccine approved for annual usage. It will be reoccurring, it will be reoccurring fountain of revenue. Cole said in the hidden camera footage, it might not be that much initially, but it'll, re it'll be reoccurring if they can. If they can get every person required at an annual vaccine, that is a recurring return of money going into their company. 
Perhaps the most explosive part of the footage is the moment where Cole brazenly talks about the impact that an emergency use authorization has on overcoming the regulatory concerns of mandating vaccines on children. They're all approved under an emergency just because it's not as impactful as some of the other approvals, Cole said, and said when asked if he thought there was really an emergency for kids. Cole, who claims his role with the FDA is to ensure the agency uses a framework of safety, security, and effectiveness as part of its preparedness and response protocol, specifically cited concerns over long-term effects, especially with someone younger. Ooh, this sounds juicy, ladies and gentlemen. Now, I gotta say at the onset of this, guys, that they... They being the establishment, the globalists, the transhumanists, the communists, and all the likely diamonds out there, they would have gotten away with an annual shot. They would have gotten. They're not going to get away with it now. It's not going to happen. They would have gotten away with it if it had not been for Operation Warp Speed and how that blew everything wide open, right? Because we would have been stuck in five to ten years of... COVID-19, of hacked ventilator deaths, of inflated nursing home uh, um, murders, right? We would have, and and plus all the variants that would have come out of the, uh, out of the uh, bio, bio safety level four lab in Manhattan, Kansas, whenever uh, they decided to uh, take harp to it and blow a tornado through it and unleashed all these other types of diseases. So in five to 10 years, the American people and the world would have been like, give us our annual vaccine. I don't care if the side effects make me sick and die and my hair fall out. At least I won't have COVID-19, right? That's the way it would have been. But the timeline is messed up. And I don't think there is even a logical left-leaning liberal. And I know that's a contradiction in terms in most instances. But I don't think that there's even a logical Democrat. And I know that's a contradiction in terms also, but there's not one with reason who would say, I'm going to get an annual shot because after all, they were expecting this to be done with after the first vaccine was administered. And here we are five jabs later, right? Let's see what work swiveling hips O'Keefe has for us today, ladies and gentlemen. I'm so excited. I just can't hide it. Here we go. So you have to get an annual shot. I mean, it hasn't been formally announced yet. They don't want to, like, uh, rile everyone up. The drug companies, the food companies, the vaccine companies, they pay us hundreds of millions of dollars a year to hire and keep the reviewers to approve their products. If they can get every person required at an annual vaccine, that is a recurring return of... um, uh, money going into their, their company. I mean, just from everything I've heard, they're not going to not approve this. Meet Christopher Cole, an executive officer at the FDA with over 20 years experience who claims to be directly involved in the approval process of the various COVID vaccines. What you're about to witness raises some alarming concerns from the government's desire to mandate an annual vaccine for everyone, including young children, to the billions of dollars that exchange hands between our government and Big Pharma to railroad the approval process. 
I'm a manager for the uh, Food and Drug Administration. My uh, my agency oversees vaccines, oh. vaccine approvals, and and uh, devices for vaccines. And my office clears all the uh, emergency approvals. Since COVID is under an emergency uh, order, we expedite the approval of any emergency. I've been there for like 22 years. Biden wants to inoculate as many people as possible. So you have to get an annual shot. I mean, it hasn't been formally announced yet because they don't want to like uh, rile everyone up. Is so, it going to be formally announced? Yeah, yeah, at some point. I mean, it's going to be, uh, uh, and some of it's been talked about publicly, but it has been talked about on like CNN or Fox or MSNBC or anything. Um, but yeah, it'll, 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 you'll have to get uh, an annual. I think um, what's going to happen is um, it's going to be a gradual thing. School's going to mandate it. Why do they need the third one? Well, the same reason um, that you or I would need the third one, because the, the vaccine, um, it wanes. Mm -hmm. um, your ability to fight it, it wanes. So the three will bolster your, your system. And then there will be an annual, um, eventually an annual, just like the flu shot. For the toddlers? Well, for everyone. Okay, so the toddlers too then. We'll have to get it Probably. Okay. I mean, yeah. that's in the future. We're not sure. Mm -hmm. That might involve more, uh, more studies. The FDA was scheduled to meet this week to discuss approval of the Pfizer vaccine for children as young as six months old. They were hoping to have the new vaccine available by the end of the month, but the meeting was unexpectedly canceled, citing the need for more testing. You guys have been in the news a lot the last couple of days. Yeah, we're looking at um, trying to prove. Um, I don't completely agree with their the process. They're looking at trying to inoculate um, um, kids under five years old, mm -hmm. between six months and five years old. What do you mean you don't agree with the process? Well, I mean they um, they don't have all the all the tests aren't there. So I agree with the thing that it is important to inoculate them. Um, but you can't provide the, um, the parent as much um, assurity as you normally want to. Despite Cole's concerns regarding the possible dangers of vaccinating young children, it seems the FDA is still willing to go through with this approval. It's an EUA for all, all, um, all age groups, all designations, and then you have to get approved by specific age groups based on the study. Do you think it's really an emergency? For the toddlers? Well, they're all uh, improved under an emergency just because it, um, it's not as as impactful as some of the other approvals, emergency approvals, but they're all being approved under that uh, standard. The efficacy data doesn't have to be as high. The standard is on emergency use authorizations is that it does more benefit than harm. So how do you know it's already getting approved? Well, they're not going to, um, I mean, just from everything I've heard, they're not going to not approve it. I thought their cases weren't that high for six-month to four-year-olds. They're not, but it, because it's um, related to COVID, it's under that approval process. So how many babies did they have to jab, basically, for the trial? I, I don't know. I haven't looked at the trial, um, how many people they did. You never, there's always a chance of a long-term long effects, especially with someone younger. Cole seems certain the federal government will require annual COVID vaccines, including young children, even though the efficacy, adverse reactions, and long-term effects are still unknown. It's hard to find, like, pregnant women 
um, for these studies and, um, and a significant number in order to be uh, statistically uh, accurate. I haven't tested enough on pregnancy, on you know vaccines and everything, and, and women because they have different you know systems than men. And they, they haven't tested enough. Well, they they have, but they, they haven't done enough prior. Now they also the house have been very good at promoting that, but that was an issue for uh, a period of time. Well, I feel like that's still an issue. It is still an issue. It's still it's still we have, still haven't gotten there. I, I read like a couple articles about it, and everything I saw was that the first two shots weren't effective. There, there has been uh, yes, it is has not been as effective as they're expecting. I agree. And if all that doesn't raise some eyebrows, just wait until you see what he says in part two about the billions of dollars exchanging hands between our government and Big Pharma and what really goes on behind the scenes during the approval process. There's almost a billion dollars a year going into FDA's budget from the people we um, regulate. If they can get every person required at an annual vaccine, that is a recurring return of um, uh, money going into their, their company. A scandal, ladies and gentlemen, a scandal. Y'all really got to admire James O'Keefe and his outfit. And I'm not talking about that sharp suit he wears either, ladies and gentlemen. All right, so we'll have to keep our eyes and our ears open for part two of uh, the latest breaking breakthrough from uh, Project Veritas, man. They are just always handing it to them in such a way, guys. It's quite satisfying. Uh, and you know that this goes to everybody just about nowadays, guys. Everybody. All right, guys, that's going to bring us to our last story for tonight. So we can wrap up today, tonight's episode of the Sea Report. Now, uh, another COVID-related story. Now, if you guys have been following the work we've been doing at Mr. C in the Dark, okay, you know that those topics can get kind of lurid, kind of sordid, sometimes a little bit aggravating, right? Well, a few weeks ago, we did stories that were uh, not just implicating but were downright confessionals about the Catholic Church and its involvement with uh, child abuse and uh, possible trafficking. And we'll leave it there so we don't get too uh, heavy into that topic. But in a story of possible redemption, ladies and gentlemen, it appears that even the Catholic Church is now speaking out against the COVID-19 mRNA gene serum inoculation vaccines and masking. Uh, for that, we have Archbishop Carlos Maria Vigano. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Sorry, Archbishop Vigano. I just cannot take you serious with that thing on your head. There we go. That's better. Okay, so... Sorry. Sorry. Okay. Much better. Much better, uh, Mr. Archbishop there. Um, all right. Uh, so what do we got going on here? Now, this is coming from, this is just for, this is just to, to cut these guys some slack. Okay. 
just to cut them some slack. Like, let's see if you can't make up for all of the sins of your past, like by possibly saving the future of humanity. All right. Let's let's give them a little chance for redemption here, guys. Okay. After all, we're not the final judge in these matters. All right. Okay. Not, I'm not saying that, you know, I'm, I'm giving them a pass on their past sins, but uh, let's see what this article has to say. This is from, uh, this is from uh, Militant Church, if I'm not mistaken, or Church Militant. I was like, I've never heard of such a thing as a militant church, at least not since like what, the 13 or 1400s. But uh, it says here, Vigano rips Big Pharma, deep church cabal. Could there be some light coming to the darkness over at the Vatican? One could only pray. Ladies and gentlemen, no pun intended. Let's see what this article has to say. It goes on this way. Uh, Dr. Massimo Citro rebuts Dr. Gwyneth Spader. Oh, wait, that's like, a, that's an advertisement. My bad. It says, as was foreseeable, my open letter to the President of the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops and to the perfect, uh, to the prefect of the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith about the moral laicity, effectiveness, and dangerous nature of the experimental gene serums, which are supposedly vaccines against COVID-19, received no response. This shows that the question I have raised is not considered relevant by either the American Episcopate or the former Holy Office, or perhaps that precisely because of its importance, it has been decided to ignore it, following the official narrative embraced by the Vatican. The multiple Vatican endorsements of the criminal mass vaccine campaign confirm the full adherence of the hierarchy to the globalist Vulgate without taking even the slightest account of the serious critiques of the so-called vaccines in terms of their production as well as their demonstrative ineffectiveness, the weakness of the immune system that they induce, and finally, the serious side effects they entail. Prelates who betray their mandate, who are almost always just as corrupt in doctrine as they are in morals, have occupied the Church of Christ in order to transform her into a state church, a zealous servant of the New World Order and apostate in its faith. What was an infiltration up until a few decades ago has been transformed into a true and proper invasion in all of the Roman dicasteries and in the peripheral organs of the Holy See. Not Mr. See, the Holy See. The Pontifical Academy for Life is no exception. It has become an organ of Neo-Malthusianism, even to the point of declaring that subjecting oneself to inoculation with the experimental drug is an act of love and a moral duty incontrovertibly denying not only the evidence of the facts, but also the existence of a global plan that has deliberately caused this psychopandemic in order to bring about a ruthless reduction of the world population, especially the elderly, and impose forms of control and restriction of the natural rights of citizens. Archbishop Vincenzo Paglia, after having displayed a collectivist mentality worthy of the worst communist dictatorships, 
denies that there is a conspiracy. Just as the United Nations Agenda 2030, that is the Great Reset of the World Economic Forum, is explicitly mentioned by the President of the European Commission, Ursula von der Leyen. Access to the Vatican and the offices of the Roman Curia is now forbidden to employees and anyone who does not have the super green pass. Cardinals and prelates who are healthy or who have recovered from COVID-19 are not permitted to carry out their duties in the Roman dicasteries and unvaccinated employees are left at home without any salary. As a practical example of inclusivity and mercy, the Bergoglian pontificate repudiates itself. If it is surprising neither that the deep church is totally subservient to the deep state, nor that Bergoglio wants to put himself forward as a candidate for the presidency of the religion of humanity, that the new world order intends to establish, on the other hand, we see that the pandemic represents only one aspect of the complex network of complicity between the globalist oligarchy, the financial power of the pharmaceutical companies, international institutions, and national governments all over the world. We find confirmation of this in the Argentines' confidential meetings with the CEO of Pfizer, Albert Borla, denounced by Edward Penton at the National Catholic Register, and by Jules Gomez at Church Militant, in which there also emerges the substantial funding to the tune of $1.6 billion per year since 2014 that the communist dictatorship of Beijing is said to have paid to the disastrous Vatican coffers as payment for the Holy See's silence about the persecution of Catholics of the clandestine church in China, whose martyrs have been betrayed and ruthlessly ignored by the very people who should instead be defending them and denouncing the violations of their human rights. These joint interests are much broader and also involve other characters. Time will do justice to the complicity of the Bergoglian church with the protagonists of the global coup that is currently underway and along with the masks that have been imposed on the population. Time will also make the masks fall from those who have disguised themselves as saviors of humanity while in fact they sought to subjugate the peoples of the world and exterminate citizens or make them chronically ill, or let's just say it, simply deceive them and make them complacent. Anyone who is not blinded by prejudice or discredited by macroscopic conflicts of interest has now understood that the moral evaluation of the experimental gene serum cannot and should not be limited to an analysis of its individual elements, but must also extend to the overall picture, which alone can show the relation between the emergency pandemic, the vaccine campaign, the boycott of available treatments, the imposition of the Green Pass, and the destruction of the social and economic fabric of many nations. Looking at the gene serum as if it were a real vaccine that prevents a serious illness is useless because its effectiveness in preventing contagion is zero. And COVID-19 is not a fatal disease if treated promptly. The news of the falsification of official data regarding deaths as a result of COVID by health institutions is accompanied 
by the inefficiency of the VAERS, Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System, in reporting adverse cases, to which is added the passive supervision of the European health system in violation of the regulations in force for experimental drugs. Someone maintained that my intervention on this topic was a sort of invasion of the field of medicine by a bishop, especially because of the scientific topics that I addressed. And in order to teach me not to meddle in specialized issues, a paper was published by Dr. Gwyneth A. Spader that was intended to refute my arguments. The affair was so badly orchestrated with such bias that it ended up bringing to light Dr. Spader's conflicts of interest. Dr. Massimo Citro Dea Riva wanted to intervene in my defense, responding point by point, backing up his answers with hundreds of authoritative sources and unequivocal proofs. Dr. Sp pa Dr. Spader's second paper, in reply to Dr. Citro, did not present any valid element to even minimally rebut Dr. Citro's statements. Dr. Citro now sets forth a conclusion to the dispute with a new irreproachable letter. With the courtesy and refinement that always distinguish him, Dr. Citro has demonstrated the groundlessness of what Dr. Spaders has, has affirmed, in particular by highlighting the conflict of interest that involves doctors, pharmaceutical companies, scientific publications, drug agencies, university bodies, and public institutions. But according to some, pointing out the evidence of a malicious intention in the management of the pandemic is an indication of psychiatric disturbance or diabolical possession, which says a lot about the professionalism of certain journalism outlets and the decline of certain news agencies. Having taken note of the scandalous apostasy of the hierarchy on the one hand and the criminal plan of the globalist oligarchy on the other, one then understands why Bergoglio and his court are necessary supporters of the coup in progress. The corruption of the pharmaceutical industry, although it is well known, is deliberately ignored because Big Pharma is one of the principal allies of the elite in the pursuit of the Great Reset. The Bergoglian Church is also a supporter of the New World Order, and the crimes committed under the, context, the pretext of the pandemic are culpably silenced by the Bergoglio because he hopes to gain political advantage. This coup will be thwarted, and, along with it, the sect of heretics and corrupt men that now occupies the Vatican will inexorably collapse. But in order for the truth to triumph and the guilty to be condemned, it is necessary to open our eyes, recognizing the crisis of authority both at the political and religious levels. Both of these, having denied their origin in God the Creator, Lord and Redeemer, have lost their legitimacy, and as a result, they have also lost the obligation on the part of citizens and the faithful to obey them. Let us pray, therefore, that both civil and ecclesiastical rulers may understand that only by returning to God and his law will they be able to merit the respect that today it is a duty to deny them. And may the Lord protect and give courage to those who oppose the kingdom of Satan on earth. Now that, ladies and gentlemen, is a way to end a show. Boom!
All right, guys. We the awake. Spiritually, politically, however you want to put it. It's on the rise, guys. The tide is turning. And it is my honor and privilege to be here alongside with the likes of this audience and everyone else who is fighting for truth and for the sovereignty of mankind. With that said, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us tonight for another edition of The Sea Report. It's been a fun one as always. We will be back tomorrow at our regularly scheduled time, which incidentally is somewhere between 7 and 8 p.m. Central Time anyways. Uh, be sure to join me tonight as I uh, hop behind the bar over there with the bartender at the Speak Uneasy as uh, we, uh, we uh, corral another episode of This Is News. A fun way to kind of let off some steam midweek from all of the stories that we share. You guys have been amazing. It's going to be a great one tonight. I'm sure we'll be back tomorrow with more stories. And don't forget, let everybody know, share the word, tell your friends, particularly if you are Texas kin. We will have Lieutenant Colonel Alan West retired on our show Friday night for a live interview. We're going to talk the governor races. There's no telling what else we're going to get into. Till then, ladies and gentlemen, be safe, be blessed, and God bless America. We will see you tomorrow.